Hi guys, welcome back to the What About podcast. I'm Owen and hopefully if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know the format by now. We're back for the second episode of looking at the law given to Israel as part of our Redeemed Director's Cut series. In case you missed the last episode, and if you did, I suggest you go back and listen to it because it was really good. These three episodes are all going to be about the law that is given to Israel by God through the multiple books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. We're going to be dividing the conversation over three episodes and dividing the laws into three categories by what is often called the threefold division of the law, which distributes the law into the moral, ceremonial and the judicial or civil law. Today, I'm really blessed to be joined by Emmy Bourne and Grant DeJong, and we're going to be chatting about the civil law together. Welcome, both of you. Hello. 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 Amazing. Great to have you guys with us. As usual, maybe just start with some introductions. Grant, do you want to kick us off? Tell anyone who might not know you a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. I'm a member of Christchurch, and my wife and I, Rachel, are involved with serving with the church. Uh, I run the Wednesday morning prayer meetings. And yeah, we have two boys, and we love Christchurch. Amazing. Yeah, so I'm Emmy and I head up the youth work here at Christchurch, which for a lot of people would send a shiver down their spine because teenagers are apparently terrifying. But I love my job and I've been doing it for just over a year now, which has gone crazy fast. Yeah, and I've been coming to Christchurch now for seven years. I figured that out the other day. Seven, seven years. It's a long time. I mean, An everyone else has been here a lot longer than me. But yeah, seven years I've been here at Christchurch. And yeah, I absolutely love it. And I'm really, I am genuinely really excited to talk about this because I think it will be, it will open up a really interesting conversation, I think. So, yeah. Amazing. I think, yeah, you both, you both definitely out pace me in terms of length at Christchurch. I've <laughs> got five years under the belt, seven and how many? Or 15, ten, 20 or no? Ten, many, no, many. I, well, Emmy and I knew each other before from Victoria yeah. Baptist oh, Church. Yeah, of course, and yeah. we were, we actually we uh, each other for like 20 years like or so, haven't we? Church Never. plays together, isn't yeah, it? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We were in a, a production together at church um, in Victoria Baptist Church and I played Mary. Yes, yes. And you played. Was I Peter in that one? Which one? There were two. No, 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 no. I was you the played... other one. I was a demon. You were a demon. Oh, he was a demon in that one. Yes. Wow. I mean, it's all coming out now. <laughs> well, when, when they had the auditions, I remember being told to tone it down because I was like doing the scene <laughs> yeah. from The Exorcist or something. <laughs> I was like, they're like, no, no, just look mean. <laughs> I was a very keen actor. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I've got to say, I. It's one of those things sometimes you arrive somewhere and you kind of realize, you just sort of assume that people have always been around. So I suppose 10 years doesn't seem that long in the sense of like, obviously it is a long length it was of time. Actually, but it's like 2010, so yeah, yeah 12, 12 years, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously I knew, I knew Emmy a little bit before, a little bit you, before came you came here. So yeah. Interesting. Amazing. Well, it's great to chat and to unpack this topic of the law, specifically the civil law. But let's just start with, I'm going to ask this at the start of each of the podcasts. I think it's really interesting to get people's thoughts and what they would see as the answers to these questions. So firstly, what what is the law? What is the law? Who wants to pick it up first? I can go. That's fine. So I had to do quite a lot of reading into this because obviously the law is mentioned a lot in the Old Testament and it kind of gets used as a throwaway comment here and there. It talks about Moses talking about the law and as a subject, I didn't realise quite how big it was and actually even broken down into three sections, it covers a huge amount of scripture. And obviously that does feed into the New Testament. But the way I read it, I mean, the law can be sort of described in lots of different ways and is used in lots of different terms throughout the bible 
but the law in particular in the bible i think what is something that basically god put down as a way for his people to have a relationship with him and how to communicate and how to spend time and how to worship and how to work together as a community in the Mm. best way um because i think it's fair to say without a law in any situation you know there would be anarchy and it would be chaos and i think for this particular group of people they just really needed some form of structure and a law on how to best spend time and have a relationship with god because it's kind of broken down and because of everything that happened at the very beginning it's a great way of it was god's way of basically saying look you know i want you to have a relationship with me and these are the ways to come about it and obviously you looked at ceremonial laws last time and this i think this week with the civil laws it just yeah it's really interesting how even something that's quite kind of generic in some ways law wise actually has still has so much kind of meaning when it comes to having a relationship with god so that's how i saw it yeah yeah, so I just, I mean, obviously I haven't done any vast studies, so I'm coming at this from a lay perspective, just let me mm. get that out there. <laughs> oh, we all uh, are, we all yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's absolutely right. And one thing that always goes through my mind is the context in which the law was introduced. Here we have a new nation, effectively, has come out of Egypt, and Egypt's going to have had completely alien culture to to what we know to have become the Israelite way and culture and you know, you would have had idolatry, witchcraft, all these things would have just been commonplace, like breathing air. Mm. And God had to do something, introduce something to them that clearly distinguished them from the other nations. And so mm. introducing these laws, as he did, and, and it, it, I, I defer to, to those who know more, but I think across the Torah, it's something like 613-odd laws are made up along the way. Mm. And it sort of starts starts off with your Ten Commandments and builds up. And in the storyline of the of the do you say the Pentateuch? Mm. I always just think Torah, but over those books, yeah, yeah, Pentateuch, Torah is the interchangeable. Yeah, they're interchangeable. So the Pentateuch is the Greek term. The Torah is the is the Hebrew. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Yeah. and so they introduce in the storyline different aspects of law, and then they're adopted into into the culture. And yeah, so definitely uh, God dealing with the human race mm. knowing how we think how we work and is in his immense patience introduces these different rules and laws along the way with nothing but good along the way and we know that the law ultimately wasn't going to be the way people are saved because uh, the bible says it's you know it ultimately condemns people but it in itself is perfect yeah uh, so it's yeah it's quite interesting it's, it's interesting something you just picked up grant which Ken picked up a bit last time really struck a chord with me I think when I was growing up and specifically when the law was spoken about in terms of Sunday school and then even later at Bible college that sense of what does it look like for Israel to be a distinct Mm. nation Mm. from all around them I think I always was always viewed that as like oh yeah so that other nations can look in and see how great God is and obviously that is a part of it that is a part of it but also that what you picked up uh, which i love is it's for them as well mm. like in the sense of it's not just reminding other nations that it's me you know these guys are separate mm. it is just constantly reminding israel you are to be separate you mm. are yeah to be holy holy because, because i guess i am holy but mm. that's god speaking there not me <laughs> but i think also yeah like you were saying about how they would have come from the egyptian culture they would have, there would have been decades and decades and generations and generations of mm. practices and ways of doing life and things that you don't mm. do and things you do do and like laws and rules that they would have followed 
So when they come out, it wouldn't have been a simple switch for them. They wouldn't have kind of like, right, we have now left Egypt. So now, you know, we identify as a different group. It would have taken a long time for them to stop falling into old habits. And I imagine that the law... Yeah, and you know how you spoke about how they were gradually kind of brought in. And I think it is something like 600 laws and how they were kind of brought in. It was just, I think that I can imagine they would have come from one culture, which would have been very ingrained in them to then come into a completely different culture. And it wasn't just a few people. It was like millions of people Mm. that left. And I think it's interesting that, yeah, it is is for our relationship with God, but it's also for them to just to really distinguish themselves. And so like people would have been like that, that's the Israelites and they have their laws and that's how they're doing. And Mm. they're no longer part of the Egyptian culture. They have left that. And it was that sense of exodus, you know, you know, leaving Egypt, not just Mm. physically, but also spiritually. And, you know, yeah. So another thought was that, uh, interestingly enough, my my reading this morning in my quiet time was Charles Spurgeon, his daily devotional ones, morning and evening, it was Leviticus 13, 13. And uh, it talks about when leprosy Mm, covers the whole body, then you're clean. And he goes into what that all means. And I I opened up Leviticus and I read that. And what struck me even more than that bit was the next part about how the and I, I know that's that's more about the ceremonial stuff but it struck me how the high priest had to go through this different process to declare someone clean mm. and like you know with the, with the two birds and having the blood from the one bird and dipping the one the live bird in the blood from the other bird and releasing mm. it into a field and taking some of the blood and putting it on the big toe of the person and the right earlobe and what really stood out to me is this would have been so different to egyptian sorcery Mm. where the power is thought to be coming from the individual but the priests of israel were doing these these ceremonies that were introduced through law that clearly show that there's no power in the man it's all about god it's Mm. really so distinct and separate yeah no definitely and i think that sense of as you said emmy of of culture changing Mm. but it taking time is really key in that and and there would have been that as as you said grant those new things that are brought in that are so distinct and so different and would signify to israel of a, a real change of um what it looks like to be a nation but also as you said you know that that change of culture takes time and and generation upon generation are still making the same mistakes as we see mm, you know exactly. all throughout i mean you yeah. get to judges and you're still you still got real just that cycle of sin and the way that god moves through his people moves with his people and meets with them along the journey showing them what it means to be holy and having such mercy on them at a point, you know, time and time again, he just, it he may not even seem like them. it's mercy yeah, though. Because no. people look at the law and say, oh, where's the mercy? But actually there is well, a lot of mercy in it. Yeah, the whole point of the law yeah. is, is mercy. And I, think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's really interesting as well because a lot of people look at the law and they go like, oh my goodness, like, you know, it's so um, sort of this angry God who gets his people mm. do these things and all those different things. But also if you look at what the law is meant to signify them against, you know, you look at other nations and you're talking child sacrifices, you're yeah. talking witchcraft, you're talking sexual immorality to a point that is basically just a rape culture. Mm. That is happening throughout the ancient Near Eastern cultures. And so when you think that God puts these civil laws in so that when people step into sinful acts and harm the community, they are punished. Mm. 
That is just the justice of God against a sinful world. And we see that right back in Genesis. It's the sin of Adam and Eve, but we, the Bible says the sin of Adam, and then punishment happens. They break God's commands and punishment happens. They're expelled from Eden. Uh, sin leads to death by nature when they eat the apple, but there is also just punishment that we see from a just God. Sometimes as Christians, we can use terminology and mean it exactly how we mean it, but not be fully aware of how we mean it. And what I mean by that is when you say because of, because of what Adam did, what you're meaning, what you're meaning is the human race, yeah. mm. what the human race did. And, Do over and over uh, again yeah, as well. And yeah, and that's, that's everyone, men and women equally. Uh, and we are, we're going, th- going through this journey in the story of human history. And then this type of second Adam starts emerging in the people of Israel. Mm. And that ground starts getting laid, which we know ultimately the law is it's it's a it's a precursor to the true second Adam, which we know to be Jesus. And, mm. you know, it is it's 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 a necessary transition, isn't it? That that stage that that spiritual looking after of us through the law. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing question for you both. And we touched on it last time, and I'd be interested to know your thoughts. Are every law in the Old Testament for us to follow in a literal sense today? No. <laughs> I think it's, there's a... I'm going to be really annoying, and I'm going to say yes and no, because <laughs> I think that when you read the law in the Old Testament, you have to read it in the context and the geographical and the economical kind of state that they were in at that time. And so certain laws are very much relevant for that particular period of time. But at the same time now, I think, yeah, I think yes and no. Yeah, I'm trying to think how I answered that question. Yes, because I think it's important that we look at the Old Testament and we look at the law that was written and see how it is still relevant to us through what Jesus has done. But then also no, because obviously there are a lot of laws there that physically wouldn't work and aren't really relevant to British culture, for example. So that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I I do agree. We need to read everything into the context, the story, the why. And that helps us to unlock the thinking behind some of the stuff and why some parts of the world today are, it would seem like they are living by certain Old Testament rules and regulations. But ultimately, uh, you know, he who, the one who loves fulfills the law, that's what Jesus is saying, or Paul is saying. And with Christ, we have, you know, this almost the law of Christ, which is love, as we know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. But it doesn't, it doesn't have the laws from the Old Testament. It also has laws which were in the Old Testament. So there's a, there's, yes, this is, it's not brought from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It is, it just, these are good things and that's what Christ wants. But interestingly, where we see the lack of love, you do those things in the New Testament, it's like a clanging symbol. So I think there's a real sense in which today, God is first looking at the heart and, you know, where mm. what's our motivation. And yes, there will be replication of things that were in the Old Testament, but it's not been obeyed from a, because it's written in the Old Testament. It's yeah. because it's also in the law of Christ. 
yeah we're not we're not lawfully bound by what you know yeah. goes on in the old testament but i think it's important to read into it and not be like that sounds absolutely bizarre like why would i want to not boil a goat in the it's baby's milk or something i can't remember exactly <laughs> what it says but that would seem bizarre but actually yeah. if you read into it and you look at why they had that in place yeah i think that can still have relevance today yes. uh, I, so I think that's what i was trying to say about it because of course there are some laws in the old testament that would have no place in like British culture today. Yeah. But when you read the theological meaning behind why they were told to do or not to do that, I think that's something you can definitely take from and still see as relevant to today, I, I think. think. yeah. I'll put into a thing. From what I'm hearing, the answer is no. No. Because <laughs> what sorry. I, is what that I all said, you wanted? It was just yes or no, sorry. What I said was in a literal sense today. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is not today and not in a literal sense. So we're going to say no to the answer <laughs> for that one. No, no worries. That's fine. Let's move into more specifics then. Let's talk about civil law. What is civil law in the terms of just generally what are civil laws? I I heard a interesting way of describing it. it. Civil laws are a way of restraining sin. So almost like putting a bridle on a horse. It's a way of, the, I think the civil laws in particular were put in place to deal with indiscrepancies or disputes between the people, dealing with day-to-day things that were going on and how basically people to live, how to help people live well in a community and how to stop arguments turning mm. into fights, turning mm. into assaults and kind of looking at theft and how you deal with that and divorce and property and the civil laws were kind of specifically for the day-to-day running of the community and how to stop people falling into a sinful way with how they respond or how they deal with the situation and not being led by anger and rage and jealousy or hot-headedness I think it's a way of helping the community to live peacefully and to flourish amongst one another that's how I would have yeah, the civil laws that were introduced to Israel were revolutionary in comparison, as you were saying earlier, to what the culture around there was. And people were coming from a very extreme, sort of almost Darwinian mindset, might is right. And when you look at, if you can find the patience to do it and read through all the details of the civil law, it's phenomenally well thought out. You know, if you knock out a person's tooth, this is the compensation. And whilst you see certain clear inequalities whereas like if you killed somebody then it's life for a life but if you killed a slave you have to pay the person you think well what's that about come on that's a human life but if you look at the context the culture and where they're coming from and the way slaves were viewed you know it's it's it sounds uh, like it doesn't make any sense at all but I think where they're coming from in the Egyptian culture straight to there they're being brought closer and closer to equality because the Bible ultimately says gone is the difference between slave and free and all that sort of thing. But in that context, you actually see this divine wisdom of God introducing civil rules and getting them used to the idea of of valuing each other effectively and compensating each other and, and all that sort of stuff. It, it, it is uh, exceedingly well thought out. And I think a lot of Judeo-Christian model of law that we apply today it speaks it speaks to a lot of the mm. things that you'll find it, in the, it's still the interwoven in so many of the governmental kind of systems now you know mm. and i think yeah i think that when you look back at the civil laws there are some that seem a bit harsh and seem mm. kind of out of place and almost probably would be seen as inappropriate now they would be, but yeah. obviously due to the, the culture of how they lived back then 
servants like servant like if you spoke of someone being a servant now that almost mm. sounds derogatory but back then that was a very normal way of life and actually it was it was a form of employment for people who otherwise would have been on the street and however you wouldn't have had anything and mm. actually slave servants in particular were seen as massively important and a vital part of day-to-day household running and mm. a lot of the laws in place were protect to protect those who are particularly vulnerable so you know women and servants back then you know they were protected by these laws and some of them don't sound like they were protecting them but actually it was they very were. much a, but, as you say and i mean depends which version of the bible you're using i suppose but where someone is uh, in my version it says a slave and coming from as i say the culture where that's mm. just life if a tooth is knocked out you're to set him free or her free you know and, and it's like you know well yeah okay and that's the the punishment because you know, the person's lost effectively their servant but you know you we today we can make the mistake of of looking back angrily with our 2022 set of values yeah. and perspective and and judge people who are living in 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 that time but actually yeah it was it was phenomenal that slaves were getting a, a right at all getting told hey you can't just go and beat up your servant and injure them and do that sort of stuff you don't own them in the way you want to god values them and that to me really stands out yeah i think that that's that is always the case. And I think anyone who's listening in who, yeah, when we talk about slavery and things like that that appear within the Bible, when they talk about slavery in that way, I think we have to be incredibly careful. And the term slavery in our current modern mm. mindset is rightly built on the fact that, I mean, specifically living in Britain, I think it's incredibly important that we are aware mm. that a lot of imperial work that was done by this nation was built on the back of slavery and it's horrendous and revolting and we should in all areas look to remove inequality and the idea that one man can own another or one woman can own another in that way when we look back to ancient near eastern cultures and we look to what slavery means and specifically in terms of hebraic culture i think it's very important a you view that these are people who have been slaves themselves yeah they have spent multiple generations enslaved by the egyptians in horrible contexts Mm. and then when they come into this new promised land there's an awareness that slavery and servanthood is part of culture is part of normality for them but what that looks like is incredibly different there is no there is no displacement of people this is people who say i can't afford to live i haven't got the money to live and so they then basically sell them into servants sell themselves into servanthood Mm. to Mm. someone to then work for them to gain a roof and food and all these different things and if you think about the new the old testament law is revolutionary because seven years go by you're free and that's not the view of slavery you know that we would have the idea that after seven years you're free your debts are paid off and you just go free from slavery is not something that you would think of naturally if you don't read into the context of what it means to be in that and on that topic i think it's actually quite something that always stood out to me because obviously the idea of slavery is slavery is repugnant but the new testament 2000 years old clearly says when it talks about people who won't inherit the kingdom one of them that is named is slave traders Mm. says do not kid yourself if you do these things you will not inherit the kingdom yet how many people for 
thousand, nearly mm. two, nearly two thousand years engaged in their practice, yet would call themselves faithful followers of Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's it. The UK, obviously, through William Wilberforce, they brought in a, yeah, yeah. the end to slavery mm. or the beginning of the end, at any rate. But that's like nearly two thousand years later, and you know, it doesn't compute, does it? But I mean, the Bible's absolutely clear that, that isn't at all acceptable to the Lord. And I think that's a wonderful thing we see in the New Testament where these things are really clarified. Hmm. Yeah, we've gone into, a, I suppose, a specific region there in mm. terms of slavery. And I think it's important that we do so. In terms of, and Amy's touched on this slightly, broadening out slightly, I suppose, in terms of civil law generally, why is it important that civil laws exist in a nation? Anarchy. <laughs> there would be absolute anarchy. And I think especially today's culture where it's all about fight the man and fight the authorities and free free the nation against governing rule and all this kind of stuff. I think the idea of speaking about this in a positive manner, I don't think a lot of people would like fondly receive but there would be anarchy and there are plenty of examples around it today where there is no governing rule like especially i think in particular in mexico there are areas in mexico that have no governing rule they don't have anyone they police and council and anything like that doesn't exist and murder and crime and violence just run freely in the streets and there is no no one there to stop it and I think there's one particular situation in an area where one man did have the confidence to stand up and say, right, I'm gonna, I am gonna lead this town and I am gonna be in charge. And within within hours, he was shot dead on the street because mm. the gangs ruled the area. And that's just an example, a small example of what a lot of other places in the world where without civil laws in place and people to enforce them, it just, it leads to, yeah, anarchy. I think I've said a lot, but it's true. And I think people, mm need something that shows them what is right and wrong and for there to be consequences and punishments for that because people otherwise will just live freely and do what they want and the line between what is right and wrong will just get completely blurred and people will go from thinking what used to be bad is now just someone's right to behave in that way because they don't want to be told what is right and wrong so i would say that civil laws are in place simply to point people in the right direction of how to live in a peaceful and a flourishing community so yeah it's like they say it's that quote at the start and the end of judges every man did what was right in his own eyes mm-hmm. well this is it because civil law i mean it's quite easy to forget that there's this dark flex inside every human soul mm. this this want to sin we're we're bent toward destruction and even though that was the case this is you know the miracle christ came to save us but there is this 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 desire this flesh like desire of in us yeah that just wants to to run off and and and, and do what it wants to do so mm. these restraints in in a sense as well these civil laws these guides are put on us and it it, it is good for our community health it's good for our mental health it's good for our physical health it's it, it's all around good for us but it's also restraining that that rebel mm. that is embedded in us it's in our dna i think a lot of a lot of situations that have escalated have been because i would say like mob mentality like yeah. when you yeah. when you're a group of people that doesn't really have any rules or have mm. any lines or any kind of consequences it only takes one person to do something for then someone else to join in for then someone else to join in. and then you become like a faceless mass mm. of doing all these wrong things and no one takes responsibility or owns up to the consequences because like well i was just doing what everyone else is doing 
and that's very very slippery slope that will go down very quickly and it's it still you know it happens when you think about riots that happen in in this country you know mm. people don't like if they did that on their own in a situation they would identify that as a wrong thing to do but then when there's like 20 or 30 or 100 yeah, people no doing it almost, like well i was mm. doing what everyone else is doing and there's no kind of sense of everyone's pointing the finger at each other to the point where there is no actual kind of one particular suspect and i think that that's another reason we have civil law is because it makes people realize that there are consequences to your actions and it singles you out as an individual to understand that you have a role to play in that so and jesus actually in a sense touches on something here about the heart of god in this way he said if you're faithful in the little you'll be faithful in a lot in, mm. in, 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 the, in the big things, as so you're faithful in the little or faithful in the big things. And you read in the Old Testament about how God detests unfair scales, you know. So you have these people in the trade market and they'll say this costs this much silver and they'd have these scales that are slightly weighted wrong. And so when they put the silver on, actually it costs more than it should. And mm. God hates that. There's an injustice being done. There's thievery, there's fraud. And that's a good example of you know, okay, yes, you're robbing the person, but you're in a sense robbing God. You know, we're image mm. bearers and he wants us to live righteously. And, mm. you know, he wants us to be faithful in the, the areas where we are almost unseen and faceless and able to get away with something. And perhaps, you know, in the modern context, in the today context where we're living for Jesus because we love him and want to please him, you know, what do we do when we do our tax returns? Mm. Do you know, do we balance those books mm. rightly? Or is there an easy opportunity just to make things fit a little bit better when you know actually they don't really fit like that and it, it helps you out, but actually, okay, may never come back to you, but God sees it. Yeah. And we're at, we're robbing God because he's telling us, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God yeah. what is mm. God's. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And those are the, the heart of it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think that's, I suppose that's the thing of what you said, Emmy, of that sort of, when you're part of a group or a mob that sense of because you know i've definitely heard the phrase oh everyone does it yeah that's and you'll you'll hear that throughout and and you know i think we need to be careful that we don't fall into a a trap in terms of saying that all civil laws are good because hmm. no. that's also not the case and you look at governmental decisions in this country and across that have Horrendous modern decisions. Civil laws. Modern oh, civil laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, modern civil laws. And so it's also worth bearing in mind that we talk about there being a God standard, and mm. when human law does not live up to God's standard, that God's standard is what we choose. Mm. And I think there's that important there as well. But it's so easy often for society to fall into the oh well, you know, there's a loophole there. Mm. everyone does it it's what it's there for mm. and actually in those times we lay those down and we pick up god's standard and we say actually no this trumps mm. human decision making in this situation honesty and integrity will always trump what human law says to do if it is different to that but yeah anyway that's a slight thing from the side civil laws in the old testament why do we follow those now do we look to live according to those things you know you think about what we've said already in terms of why for instance we we have the death penalty given in old testament law mm. we don't in the uk law mm. do we seek for that because it's in the old testament law no no do we look to replicate what is in the old testament law today and if we don't why not because uh -huh. it's, well, the Old Testament law was 
was delivered to to people who who ultimately didn't really know God you know, and know his heart and Christ has given us you know the the the, the spirit of God as believers and He's given us the understanding of God's heart, and we don't seek to replicate Old Testament law, because it 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 it's 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 like we're they're blindfolded and they're taking instructions, and they don't quite know exactly why they're doing what they're doing. But nowadays we have sight through Christ, and mm. to just want to replicate something because it's in the Old Testament, that's that's very dangerous, and it could be completely out of time and culture. And my my instinct immediately would be, no way do we have the death penalty just because it's in Old Testament law. No, and I think what Jesus says that I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And I think that that sentence alone is enough to kind of make us realise that the Old Testament law is definitely not irrelevant because he didn't come to abolish it, but Mm -hmm. he came to fulfill it. And that everything that the law was for back in the Old Testament has now been made possible through knowing Christ and that actually our path to righteousness doesn't come through following the laws of the Old Testament but actually through following Christ because he has fulfilled that so I think the word replicate was used well there because I think yeah we don't want to replicate Mm -mm. the law from the Old Testament because that is not what we should be striving for what we should be striving for is that through Christ who has made us righteous and has you know cleared our path and has freed us from sin should make us want to follow in a way that means that we turn our back against all those things that are sinful and are things that mm, would fall mm. us into something that would be seen as you know breaking a law back in the old testament you know when you come to know jesus you know you want your heart should want to follow and to do these good things and to yeah turn your back on sin and to walk a life that is reflecting Christ in everything you do and I think yeah I think it's important yeah because I think sometimes it's the Old Testament people see that it's irrelevant and the Old Testament has no place in today's kind of Christian life but actually that's completely wrong because Jesus says you know I'm, I'm not here to abolish what is said in the Old Testament I'm here to fulfill it everything that was said in the Old Testament is pointing towards me and I am here now and so follow me know me to you know die to your old self and become a new person. And Christ says, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mm. mind and strength. Yeah. And love your neighbor as yourself and you fulfill the law. And, you know, in Romans it says, the one who love loves fulfills the law. And I think the bigger challenge for Christians is, because we've talked a, a bit about people who've committed this crime and should they, you know, be put to death for it? You know, and we're saying is it revenge or whatever, but have you really talked about loving that perpetrator and as a Christian, you know, loving our enemies and leaving judgment to God. But obviously we have to have these 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 boundaries in place, otherwise we'd have lawlessness. And the Bible even talks about, you know, almost to modify it, police are considered almost servants of God because they they keep they keep the peace, you know, which is an interesting thought. But when we think about someone who has committed horrible crimes and all the different justices that have been wrought on them, are we also thinking that person is an image bearer of Christ and is breaking God's heart? And as a believer, I need to be praying for that person. And I want to see, I want to see people set free. 
and uh, you know set free in the spiritual sense which mm. one day might mean the in, in, in the physical sense but yeah so i i think those are the, the the perspectives as believers we always need to have at the forefront of our mind is love the greatest laws are god love god love your neighbor and even love your enemy which is what jesus teaches us so are we thinking it through from that perspective mm. the yeah i think that sort of leads nicely into the the next question i had which was how do and i think we've covered a bit of it but how do civil how do we read civil law in the old testament unless it shape our lives in christ without just falling into as you said this isn't for us anymore because we don't live in a theocracy we don't live in the nation of israel how do we let our reading of scripture shape who we are look at what god has done through his people specifically with civil law rather than just the law in general i think yeah i think that it's important to remember that all authority authoritative figures governing or whatever have been put in put in place by god like you know god has ordained authority and that he says that we should submit to those authorities in you know whether it's in this country or whatever but that doesn't mean necessarily that we stay quiet and we don't speak openly and boldly about our faith because you think about how many times paul was imprisoned and flogged and put before governing bodies and judged and kind of pointed at and ridiculed like but at the same time he had the opportunity to speak Jesus into their lives he was in a position where he was able to speak Jesus into people's lives who normally probably wouldn't have heard anything about him because of the place they were or the job that they had and I think for us it's kind of getting a balance of how do we especially specifically with civil laws how do we get the balance of submitting to authorities and trusting that God has a plan and has a will in all situations but then also identifying when when do we need to actually stand up and say look this isn't right we don't agree with this and as a Christian we we don't want to submit to this particular area that's a really great area I think but I think I think the main point is to remember that all authority has been placed there by God and that as Christians above all we obey God but if he's put an authoritative figure in place we have to trust that God has got his hand in that situation yeah yeah I agree I do and I think there is another side to it which perhaps I don't know as I say it's something I've thought about for a long time and I, I don't know if it's going to be the the most popular thought but we do have a clear moral teaching in the laws. It's all inextricably linked. So where we have the civil laws, there's usually a moral motive behind it, biblically speaking, and that's why they exist. And But in in our culture, you know, as you're saying, we're not a theocracy. And just to clarify, you're saying that means a government that rules through religious... Yes, theocracy is the state in which the Old Testament is written in, in that sense. It is a, a government that is run by, well, it's not a government, it's a nation that is run by religion. Religion. So I I agree with the one of the protect, protected characteristics of the freedom of speech. I think one of the protected characteristics is our right to religion, isn't it? Religious freedom. And there is a sense in which, you know, where laws are in place, where you know, it protects us socially, it protects the community, and it gives us, it affords us freedom of speech and freedom of how we live, provided we aren't causing harm to others. 
and where Christians, where we where we seek to speak into law our beliefs, which are, you know, individualistic affecting us, affects us individually. I think that's a line that probably isn't something that we should be looking to cross. I think we should have discussions, healthy mm-hmm. discussions in council and parliament, yeah. and talk about you know where we're coming from and, and and whatever whether you're an atheist whether you're muslim whether you're christian whether you're jew whatever your your background you should be free to express what you think and where you're coming from because i've heard it said oh there's no place in 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 council or or in the you know as, as in town council or as in parliament or wherever to to have that religious dilution of your, the reason you're saying this or that i think that's rubbish everyone represents a people a person a, a people group they they're bringing forward values that are are, are meaning are meaningful or are, are, are held dear but we do have to also not feel what's the word scared or vulnerable when actually we aren't able to have our particular views in terms of our religion put into law mm. in a way that you know stops other people from doing this or saying that when actually it doesn't affect us and our personal freedoms. So is it like, for example, say Sunday, all the shops had to be closed mm-hmm. on a Sunday. That's a Sabbath law. That's the reason it existed. Now, that exists from from the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments, do not work and, and all of that. But in today's culture, if I choose to take it Sunday as a day of rest and not do anything that's me and my relationship with god yeah if my neighbor who isn't a christian or is a christian and just doesn't share that same particular view on it and goes and works or does whatever i don't think it should be put in law you are you're going to go and do community yeah, service no, for, definitely. For, for, yeah, for working yeah. on a sunday i think that is that's a line we don't have a right to cross i don't think it's applicable. yeah and i think that there's a difference between there being an unjust law or having a law that means that you end up causing injustice i think there yeah, is some sort of difference very, there and yeah there's definitely i think that it, you can you can live a life as a christian in, especially in this country and there'll be certain laws that you won't necessarily agree with but it's not necessarily leading you in particular to sin or mm. to directly disobey god there are a lot of like for example with covid with mask wearing and like i'm not being allowed to meet on sundays for church you know there are a lot of people i know who like it was put as a kind of law. I don't know if it was a law necessarily, but it was a guideline, wasn't yeah, it? That there, was, we, we, there were laws. Mm. There was there laws. laws in place, yeah. Law where mm. you weren't allowed to meet in yeah. certain manner. So churches were not allowed to meet. And there, I know that there were a lot of disagreements and kind of conversations about that. Because obviously it says that, you know, it says biblically that we should meet and that we should come together and that we should worship. But I think that would it be like the question is as a christian would it be wrong to not meet up because it's made been made a law mm. are we singing the sinning against god because we're not meeting as a community here in this building despite the fact that it's a law but, but inter- actually, interestingly on that point one could say biblically if you look at the levitical law and things like that quarantine was common practice mm. so mm. people were stopped from meeting together so yeah. it, 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 it is an interesting how conversation how diverse a lot of christian views can be on some of these things and yeah, it's 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 quite important to 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 keep our hearts, as you said, I mean, in tune with 
with God and are we loving, you know, and are we wanting to see kingdom come and kingdom glory and yeah. people set free? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's getting that balance right. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's really right, Grant. What you say about love and seeing people set free. I think it's really interesting what Paul says to the church in Thessalonians. We're looking at Thessalonians at the moment, and he says, "Live peaceably with others, not meddling in others' affairs." There's that sense of like, it's as a believer, we're not called to impact the lives of non-believers and try and make them live to God's standards by. The law because you know hebrews 11 says without faith it's impossible to please god it's not like by law the people are going to be saved and so as christians are our point is not to tell non-christians to live up to the standards that god sets for his people however it is worth saying that god says this is the standard to be holy this is the standard if you want to live according to my law if you want to be in my kingdom, my people, this is the, the the standard we have to live up to. And because of that, we're called to preach the word in and out of season. And we're not meant to be, we can, we're not meant to stop proclaiming the gospel. We're not meant to stop proclaiming God's law for his people and the standard that we should live up to of holiness. Because as you guys have said, that's what Jesus sets. That's what Jesus shows. And because of that, through our gratefulness of the mercy of god through jesus on the cross we live according to that law but no i think you're right that's not something that we we enforce on non-christians it's not a standard they can live up to otherwise you know that's the point of the law without the faith without the grace of god we can't live up to it without salvation in christ we can't live up to it yeah no, i think it's an amazing point thank you so much guys Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. That, I'll, I'll be honest, we touched so many things and there's not enough time. And I'm sorry, we do need to draw this to a close. But I just want to thank you so much, both of you. There are so many amazing threads that we've been able to pull. And obviously, we haven't been able to fully discuss those. And I, anyone who's listening in who's like, you know, oh, you didn't do justice to these topics. Yeah, I don't think we can in the time that we have. And I'm sorry about that. And it would be great to pick some of these up possibly further in the future and have more of a, a developed discussion because a lot of these are very, very big topics. Yeah. The nature in which civil law and the church and church and state work together. Actually, it's a conversation that I would like to have at some point in terms of how church and politics and state and everything works together. I think it's incredibly yeah. interesting. But just to close this time talking about the civil law of Israel, I just want to thank you both for coming on the podcast. It's been great to hear your thoughts and just You're to welcome. yeah chat further about this topic. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank oh, you. Absolute pleasure. And, and again, that disclaimer, just completely a lay perspective. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Thank Amazing. you. Thank, thank you. God bless. God bless.